So, you know, this MVP, I think from a previous question, it took me about a month to create. So it was not a long time. And as I said, the trade-offs were, it was hard for us to figure out in the beginning, how do we make this work for everyone? For a person who's had a stroke, very little movement, maybe to an athlete that has a spinal cord injury, but are much more functional. So the trade-off in the beginning was, let's just figure out how to do it for one diagnosis and one population, and then we can move on to customizing it such that it would work for everyone. Because when you get stuck with, let's make sure it works for everyone, then you're not working on the features, what the physical therapists want out of it. I'm Veena Somareddy, and I'm the CEO of Neuro Rehab VR. This is Code Story the podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Lampart, and today, how Venus Somoretti set out to build VR for physical therapy to make it fun and make it effective. All this and more on Code Story. Venus Omoretti is from India and came to the U.S. in 2012 to pursue her master's degree in game design and development. Technology has been an integral part of her life, as she has been a big-time gamer in high school and after playing such games as GTA, Doom, and Diablo. She also likes to keep watch on the latest tech gadget on Kickstarter. And outside of tech, she plays sports recreationally and grows plants for a hobby. While she was working on her PhD for medical simulation and training, Vina was contacted by her now co-founder. He let her know that he wanted to add virtual reality to his clinic, and she thought, wow, this is an amazing opportunity to make the therapy experience better for patients. This is the creation story of Neuro Rehab VR. So at Neuro Rehab VR, we build virtual reality applications for physical therapy and occupational training. So a lot of our patients are people who have had a stroke or a brain injury, spinal cord injury, and maybe could have been diagnosed with neurodegenerative diseases like Parkinson's MS. And all of their goal is to be able to do normal functional tasks, like everyday living life activities like going grocery shopping, you know, brushing your teeth. Uh, putting on a shirt so they go to uh, after their incident they go to physical therapy to be able to get back their limb function for patients who might have lost that because of a stroke so what we do is we make this process more fun engaging and motivating for the patients by creating virtual reality scenarios that they can be immersed in where they could be in a grocery store or on a beach but still working on their functional tasks and the goals that they want to reach and it all comes along with data analytics so that they're able to precisely track their progress instead of subjectively trying to figure out if they're making progress or not. While I was working on my PhD using uh, VR for medical simulation and training, I received this random email by my now investor and also co-founder that he wanted to add virtual reality to his clinic that sees patients, you know, that, that I just spoke about, stroke and spinal cord injury. So went there, I'm like, this is amazing. I can start building these MVPs for you. And that's how we got started and kind of built a company. So it was pretty much working with patients and building things so that to make their therapy experience better. And now we are helping hundreds of patients and we are in many different states and uh, it's a company now. It's kind of crazy to think about that. 
Well, tell me about the MVP. Tell me about that first product you built, how long it took to build, and what sort of tools you used to bring it to life. I had a lot of experience building MVPs because at that time, around 2013, 2014, is when Facebook bought Oculus. So virtual reality was really, really hard around that time. So I used to build a lot of MVPs for other people who had ideas. So that, and I, the tools that I mostly use is Unity Game Engine for building these applications and for modeling some of the 3D models in there and also use C-sharp for programming. So those are my tools. So when I built this MVP, it was, it actually didn't work because it only worked for me. Uh, it, was an, it was a small application where the person can put on the headset and they're on a treadmill, but they're collecting coins as they're moving through a scenario. Uh, when I put this on a patient, it didn't really work because I had built it for myself, a healthy person without any disabilities. But when I put, put it on a stroke patient, the, the threshold of that movement was so different from a healthy person. So that took a second. So my, my first MVP actually didn't work on a patient and it took a lot of iterations uh, to get to that point where it was actually useful. <laughs> That's super cool that you were able to make that even for yourself and, and be able to see that come to life. But, you know, okay, so with MVPs, right, you have to make certain decisions and trade offs. And it sounds like, you know, I could probably cherry pick one out of what you just said, but I want you to tell me about, you know, decisions and trade offs you made while you were building that MVP and how you cope with them. So, you know, this MVP, I think from a previous question, it took me about a month to create, so it was not a long time. And as I said, the trade-offs were, it was hard for us to figure out in the beginning, how do we make this work for everyone? For a person who's had a stroke, very little movement, maybe to an athlete that has a spinal cord injury, but are much more functional. So the trade-off in the beginning was, let's just figure out how to do it for one diagnosis and one population, and then we can move on to customizing it such that it would be, it would work for everyone. Everyone. Because when you get stuck with, let's make sure it works for everyone, then you're uh, you're not working on the features that one person that might need, the niche population, the features that may need that they need, what the physical therapists want out of it. So those are the trade-offs that we had to make in the beginning, so that we at least are working on one niche of patients and not getting distracted to be able to for this to work for everybody. Right, that makes sense. That's. That's challenging, but you have to get something working so you can't listen to everyone. Exactly. And working well, that is actually making a difference. So as you, you got the MVP working, you realized it didn't quite work for um, you know, a stroke patient, like you mentioned, and you started iterating. How did you, you progress the product from there? How did you mature it? And tell me about some of those iterations and how you built your roadmap and figured out, okay, this is the next most important thing to build. Luckily for us, we were actually housed inside the clinic and that gave us access to physical therapists and patients every day who I could just go to them and like, uh, here, I made an iteration, please try this out and let me know what your thoughts are. So because of that and being so close to these patients and therapists, we were able to get feedback so quickly, I would iterate and just within the hour and go back again. And so how we chose what we would do next is depending on their feedback, they would say, this is a feature that would be helpful 
uh, in this certain application and then we would add that feature and depending what the physical therapist and the patient told us that's pretty much how we progressed on what we would build next and as we started to build the next roadmap we used to create a game design document add in all the features and our ideas for the app and then take it to the physical therapist and the patients walk them through as to what we're building and then get their input and now we had the roadmap for our next application and pretty much how it progressed from there so in the beginning we mostly build different apps for different parts of the body like upper extremity training lower extremity training and then after that is when we started to think about the whole, the product as a whole so the product was not it, it was bits and pieces in the beginning but then came together uh, as we progressed so i and i hear hear some of this and how you're explaining it but how did you use your your game design education and skills to push the agenda forward for Neuro Rehab VR. How, how did that apply into how you're building the product? My experience with game design and taking classes definitely helped because one, when you're building a game, it's very different from building any other software applications. You have so many things that you have to think about from 3D assets. What are the 3D models that you would need? How is the environment going to look? Uh, what are the textures going to look like uh, for, you know, if you have mountains in the sun and the color and color theory is really important for that. Along with virtual reality, the good thing about virtual reality that worked for our patients is the immersiveness where you have both visual feedback sound feedback, haptic feedback, uh, all together, and that, that's what makes a difference. So we had to choose what are our assets, sound, visual assets, and then what haptic feedback are we going to have, and then also talk about the interactions, like how are they going to interact in the environment. We have controllers, so those were things that we had to think about previously and all the resources that we need for this, because one person can't really create a game. Uh, you, you need artists, you need uh, people who are good at lighting a scene, and then also the programmers. So all of them should come together. And the hardest part is also making sure that everybody's on the same page and we're coming together with all the assets and building this product. So being in school, uh, working in teams of 13 to 15 uh, and coordinating with each other really helped me figure out what are the resources we need and uh, how to build products for the company. That's a perfect segue into my next question then. So tell me about how you built your team. And what did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you? We've been lucky because I was part of a virtual reality lab when I was in school in UT Dallas. And I was able to pull in two more people out of that lab that I have been previously working with. So we, so I knew exactly the skills that they have, which is similar to mine. And uh, being PhD students, we had to do everything. We were generalists. So we didn't have a person that would build 3D models for us or a light RC. We just had to do it on our own because we didn't really have any other uh, options. We didn't have somebody working for us as students. So we were generalists that just knew how to build the whole game. So and my first team consisted of people from my lab and they're still part of my core team. And as we started to become bigger, we looked for a 3D artist. We looked for somebody who can do just QA engineering and product management and going in and, and you know, bringing those people in as we needed that kind of skill. Let's talk about scalability a little bit. Did you build this to scale efficiently from day one, or are you kind of fighting this as you grow and gain traction? Coming from the technical background, you know, it's, we're always thinking about how to build things in scale. But for this company, we decided not to build 
in scale in the big name because at first it was more about product market fit because if you put all the effort into building your backend and building it to scale maybe your product won't work out and you're spending a lot of time building your backend versus actually working with physical therapists and patients so in the first 2 to 3 years of the company we did not build it to scale we were not on the cloud we only built the exercises and the applications so just to get as much information as we can from them and feedback from them and really drive down on the product market fit but last year we moved to a fully wireless system and after validating our product for many years we built it to scale right now so, so we are on the cloud we are, since then we have been thinking about how to build to scale and at this point uh, as we are gaining traction we can grow we can we can add hundreds of devices right now and then we'll be fine so we took a while to get to that point and it was the decision was made that's something we spoke about and made the decision together and we are happy we didn't put the effort resources to it in the beginning but now when we know we have traction uh, we are built to scale makes total sense you, you wait till you need to you prove the concept and you need to build scale into it then you go into that road that makes sense exactly and that also goes hand in hand with how your sales are going what sales traction you're having and then also the market itself sometimes companies are too early you might have the best product but the market's not there for it but i think we're in at a perfect summary situation now where there is need for the product and also found the product market fit well, as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built what are you most proud of i think the whole product as a whole as we first started in the beginning those were applications on their own and we brought it all together into you know a launcher so that everything is housed inside one of our applications so just building that whole ecosystem around the product has something that i've been really proud of and how we are able to now since it's on the cloud and it's built to scale we're able to update things very quickly which was which we really couldn't do with our previous product and just the whole seamless way and how our team came together and we and we have you know a roadmap built out we know what's going what we're going to build next and just the whole process of development is and we, I'm yeah we're proud of that it's not just one little thing well let's flip the script a little bit tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it you know in startups mistakes are you know it, it could sink your company you know, sometimes so we were moving from a fully wired wired system which is tethered to a computer you know sensors on the outside a lot of setup that was required to a fully wireless system and one of the things that we had to figure out is which headset do we choose from the market and that that's a hard problem because once you choose the headset you're kind of in their ecosystem for a long time because you're putting effort into that so we have to make sure we're choosing the right virtual reality headset uh while doing that in the beginning we chose one that we thought would be the perfect fit on the dev side it was but on the business side they made things really hard for to work with startups and on the enterprise scale so we spent a certain amount of time moving our applications to it and then we had to just rebuild everything to a different headset so that uh increased their timeline to launch for about 2 to 3 months which is all right but that's that's a mistake that we had to do so right now when i'm jumping into new products or launches we figure out the dev side and also the business side of things before we jump in and my team was uh responsive we were all excited we made the decision together but we didn't have all the information and once we figured out the new information about the business side of things and how it might not work out for us 
we were able to just regroup and build everything to yeah move to the more to a different headset are you able to to build something that's sort of a connector or adapter for all headsets or do you have to build it specific to a certain platform or brand it is possible it's just that the ecosystem is not mature enough that it would seamlessly work on all headsets right now there is a uh, something called OpenXR that they're working on so that once you build for any VR headset or an augmented reality headset, it should work on all of them, but it's, th it's still in the initial chase, uh, stages. But when we build our things, we try to make it as hardware agnostic as possible, but there's just so much new stuff coming out, so many different hardware coming out every uh, year now. It's At this point, it's hard to build something that's agnostic, but we're getting there. Sure. Well, that's, that makes sense. And the maturity level of the industry in that hardware space makes a ton of sense, right? It's not quite big enough yet to justify, but it sounds like they're working on it. Right. It's not at the point where cell phones are right, where you can just build for one and you could be on so many different phones, iOS and Android. Well, what does the future look like for Neuro Rehab VR, the product and for your team? We are very proud of what we have built and we are obviously adding more to our applications, making it better, uh, getting a lot of feedback from our customers right now and adding those things. So we'll continue to build that. And for us in the future, since we are invested in virtual reality, but we're on our roadmap is augmented reality as soon as we have the right headsets that come out for augmented reality. So we, we will see a transition from VR to AR and then also the use of uh, more AI in our applications. So that's where we see our product going and as we grow, we will have more team members, both on the virtual reality side of things, backend engineers, and also more artists so that we can have very uh, polished looking applications. Let's switch to you, Vina. Who influences the way that you work? You know, a CEO, an architect, a startup person, really anyone. Name a person you look up to and why. I think at this point, I really like Arlon Hamilton. Uh, I know she's uh, an investor. I, I love her story just because she came from nothing and now she's on, you know, on the cover of uh, magazines and the first company magazine and she's written two books now where she is an op unapologetic and, and she, you know, inspires you and shows you that you can do what you want to do even though like she didn't have any background in investment and now she's one of the most popular investors in Silicon Valley. So I really love her. And then when it comes to CEOs, I love you know Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. They are good at doing many different things and in many different industries really well. It's not easy to have a car company and a rocket company and like Amazon where they started in retail, but they're also so good at AWS and cloud. It's, it's not something that's easy. And I really like how they've built these so many uh, you know, very different industries and they're good at it. So we talked about a mistake, uh, but a little bit different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do differently? Or where would you consider taking a different approach? I think one of the mistakes we do as technical people is we concentrate too much on the product and forget about the other part, which is sales and marketing. So that's something that I would do differently now as we are building the product, I would have would have liked to create my sales network and my sales team much faster than we have now so that we are getting the word out, doing the marketing before the launch 
of our product so that uh, you know that would so that we have more exposure to what we're doing uh, before we have a you know complete product and also the product is never finished but it's good to have uh, the exposure before you launch so that's something that I would do differently well last question Vina so you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing they're jazzed about it they can't wait to show it off to the world they can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane what advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit with the way we live in this world it's there are a lot of distractions and it is easy to get distracted but i think focusing on what's important which is building a good product and making sure you're getting feedback from your customers and they love your product and they will become evangelists for your product is the most important thing that you can concentrate on and do so everything else uh, is ancillary so that 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 would be an advice that i would give somebody who's uh, young a young entrepreneur because sometimes you know getting press uh being featured and being out uh, getting exposure might be something that you know people are interested in going to a lot of pitch competitions which are not bad but i'm just saying making sure that we focus on you know the product and if the product is good your customers love it and then that's when the flywheel will start going and then you you know you can build an amazing company and not be distracted well, that's great advice. Well, Vina, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Neuro Rehab VR. Yeah, thank you for having me. And this concludes another chapter of Coat Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. Support the show on patreon.com slash codestory for just five to ten bucks a month. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening.